0: netcasts you love
1: from people you trust
0: this is Twitch. bandwidth for windows weekly is provided by cashfly at c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y dot com this is windows weekly with paul therott episode 208 recorded may 12th 2011 fake hustle Windows Weekly is brought to you by GoToAssist Express. Giving tech support in person is expensive and time-consuming. Save time and money and look like a hero to clients or colleagues with GoToAssist Express for a free 30-day trial. Visit gotoassist.com/windows. And by Carbonite. Backing up the files on your PC or Mac is safe and easy with Carbonite. For a free trial plus 2 free months with purchase, go to carbonite.com. Offer code: windows. And by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com Windows. And be sure to check out their annual plans for savings of up to 20% off. It's time for Windows Weekly. Leo Laporte here, Paul Farratt there, and beautiful Dedham. And uh, welcome, Paul, to the program. It's good to see you. You too. This is the show that covers uh, all your Microsoft needs. You've got your Xbox 360. By the way, we're going to uh, E3. Yes, I heard that. But I think we're going to, well, last year, the big press show, the big uh, press conference, Presso, as the, we call them in the trade, the big Presso. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I hate that word. And the only people who use it are yeah. PR flax. We say, we've got a Presso. I think it stands for press opportunity. I don't know what it stands for.
1: You know, my, fra- my favorite out-of-date condensation or uh, term or tech term or whatever it is, and you still hear this sometimes from the guys at Microsoft or their PR company, they'll say, I'll send you a Schedule Plus. Schedule Plus, Schedule of course, will the... Schedule Plus? Schedule Plus was the predecessor of Outlook. It was Outlook before there was email attached to it. <laughs> they'll
0: say, I'll send so, you a Telegram.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Sched- I'll send you a Telex. <laughs> telex. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So let's schedule plus. <laughs> let me pop the stack. Okay, schedule plus presso. The big event last year th- had to pop it three times. The big event mm-hmm. last year, and I hope you are following this. Many many people don't realize this is a stack oriented show. First in,
1: for, also uh, yes, an endless series of non sequiturs. <laughs> <laughs> First in, last out. So just popping the stack. This back is up. how black holes are made, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. All right.
0: laughs> I think we have a show title. Um, the um, Microsoft, the big press event of E3 last year was Connect, and I, in fact, I got up five in the morning to do. it. You know it.
1: what the big one's going to be this year? Yes, I do. We still have Connect.
0: <laughs> well, it's we, you know it's funny because uh, Microsoft and Sony have their conferences on Monday, and Nintendo's having its Tuesday morning, and then so, the, yeah, the, then the, the trade week show week. opens its doors at noon on Tuesday. So okay. Leo, trying to save That's... a little money, yep. said, "Let's just skip Monday." <laughs> What could Microsoft and Sony say that would could possibly be of interest? Wow. Well, no,
1: they shot their wad, both of them. Move and connect last year. What that's, are they? That's actually so. That's that's interesting. Um, we have a, a. I play basketball, and we have a term called fake hustle, which is where you pretend to be playing defense. <laughs> that's or you how pretend I play. like you were just about to go get the ball before it went out of bounds, and I was going to die for it, but you know, I didn't want to hurt the other guy. So what you're saying is fake Microsoft muscle. and Sony are going to have pr- fake PR about nothing. In other words, they're going to, there's going to be a lot of horns and confetti, but at <laughs> they, the end of the day, what are they going to say? Meanwhile, Nintendo is going
0: to announce its next console, which is actually interesting. So I, I'm, I I'm, made, I made an executive decision. I said, okay,
1: coverage yeah. begins Tuesday, not Monday.
0: All right. Have I made a mistake, Mr. Paul Thorot expert on I don't, Microsoft?
1: I, I don't have very good <clears throat> contacts with the Xbox guys, so yeah. I don't know. But I, I. There are no big rumors about anything coming up. There'll be new games. I mean, there's always new games. Yeah, there'll be, yeah. And I think they'll talk about um, Connect Momentum, you know, and we know, you know how much I love Momentum talks, so that'll be fun. <laughs> We've got the Mo. I, uh, I, you know, yeah, I, I think that's it. Yeah,
0: But to pop the stack one more time, this guy here is Paul Therott. He's the editor-in-chief of the Supersite for Windows, winsupersite.com. He is news editor for Windows IT Pro. He's the author of Windows Vista Secrets, Windows 7 Secrets,
1: Windows 4 know Secrets. I'm not, I'm not going to let you get this back on track. I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> How about them Knicks? <laughs> I, I appreciate the effort. How are the Celtics <laughs> doing
1: this year? Yikes. <clears throat> uh, they're, um, they're done. Shouldn't have brought they, that up, should I? No, it's okay. They went out like men, unlike a certain team from Los Angeles. But uh, <laughs> You're right, though. You know, what yeah, are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? They're getting old.
0: Um, but, you know, there's nothing like the parquet floor. That's what I, I got to say. You got to play on the parquet, baby. It's a privilege to play where Larry Bird played. Um, Popping the stack once again. <laughs> it's time for Windows Weekly. <laughs> um, so we cover Xbox. We cover uh, Zune. Do we, we? Yeah, I don't know. Someone we cover to. Windows Home Server. Uh, we cover, sort of. We cover uh, Windows, we, mm-hmm. we cover Office, uh, and today we're going to cover all of that because that's what this show is all about. We bring you Microsoft
1: News when everyone else <laughs> does not. Wow. I don't know what everyone else is doing. Are there other Microsoft podcasts? Oh, God. I'm sure there must be
0: one or two. You know what? Th- one of the things those guys aren't going to do, though, is put together a list of things that are wrong with Microsoft that we can fix. <laughs> Nobody, can fix it. nobody's going to do that. And only you. Are you? What is this list? Tell me about this list.
1: Well, I haven't made it yet, but I uh, actually inspired by a friend, a former Microsoft employee. I, uh, you know, he said you need to write up something about what's wrong with Microsoft. You know, what are the f- t- list the top ten things, and then how they can fix that. You know, and. Uh, I said, you know, it's a really good idea. But I said, the problem with making a list like that is if I come up with such a list, which would be easy enough, um, I'll get hundreds of responses from people who will say, you forgot this, right. or you forgot this, and, you know, right. that kind of thing. So I, made, I either had the inspired or deranged idea to ask this question on Twitter, and of course got many, many responses. So I need to sort through that stuff. And it, it varies from the ludicrous to the inspired, actually, in some ways. I think it's brave so, of you to use Twitter for this. Well, I don't think of it like that. I think it, it's pragmatic. I mean, I, there are some good ideas out there. Twi- yeah. Well,
0: uh, you know, it's it, it, of course, that was one of the things people said uh, early on about Twitter is what a great way to crowdsource things like this, answers. Uh, yeah.
1: And I think it potentially still is, but there's also the the signal and the noise has gone way down. Oh, no, this, oh, right. There's always going to be a couple of jokers. But actually, you know, I have to say, obviously I appreciate the... I shouldn't say obviously. I do appreciate the responses at all anyway. I mean, some people misconstrued it. I, I think I... uh you know, my early version of the title was something like how Microsoft can save its business or whatever. And as we've discussed in the past, I I think Microsoft as a business has a a long and fruitful future. But the thing I'm worried about is not so much how Microsoft can fix the financials. It's how Microsoft can fix, uh, you know, its position in the market and its standing in the tech industry, its products, you know, the things that I really care about. Um, I'm doing what I do now because I Uh, at one point after, I mean, really being pretty disdainful of Microsoft and its products for many years, uh, caught an early look at Windows 95. And I said, these guys finally got it. This is something I can rally around. It's exciting and interesting. 95
0: really was a big step forward, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, You were were an Amiga guy at that time.
1: Right, right. It was the first thing I had seen, uh, aside from, I always liked the Mac stuff, but the Mac stuff was always too expensive for me. Right, And I it was, I, I think the that Windows 95 was the first thing I saw that gave me that same vibe that this is where things are going. You know, people uh, like Andrew Shulman and others later proved that Windows 95 wasn't the technical uh, leap forward that Microsoft was trying to position it as, but what it really did, but what, what it really was, was more of a user interface or user experience leap forward. And it did get people into 32-bit computing. I, obviously, uh, the market took off from there, so... Um, you know, I'd l- I, I don't think we're ever going to see that level of excitement, you know, as we did with Windows 95 again. But, what we, you know, oh, except for one thing, of course, we do see that almost every single time Apple releases anything. or <laughs> yeah. uh, And there's a certain level of excitement, I think, that greets a lot of the Google stuff. So there are other companies who are able to do that. And what I'd like to see is Microsoft be able to do that again. So It's kind of I'm the nature... For.
0: Of the tech industry,
1: isn't it that um, uh, I mean this, these? Are- well, I don't know. I, that's like I, it's. It, is it the na- Is it? I don't know. You know, the tech industry isn't that old. I mean, the personal computer industry. So uh, certainly, it's the nature of business that as companies get successful, you know, you, and mature, you you basically change from being an innovator and a forward thinker to being someone who's protecting a market that's very lucrative for you, and it's understandable, but you know, as we've discussed, I'm not hugely interested in that. You know, there are a lot of big companies out there, uh, that make products outside of the tech industry that are not interesting to me or to you or to people listening to this. And they, you know, whatever they are, oil companies or whatever, you know, companies generate money and that's neat, but I'm a technology enthusiast and what I want from Microsoft is to be enthused by what they're doing. And they're obviously, and I should point out there are areas where I am. I mean, of course, uh, Microsoft does do some great stuff, but I think the way things have evolved is they've been much more successful as a tech company serving business than as a tech company serving consumers. And unfortunately for Microsoft, the consumer end is where all the excitement is.
0: Yeah. So how does this apply to your list? Are you saying how do we bring the excitement back,
1: or so, how do yeah, we, I mean? Because right. nobody's complaining about Microsoft's profits, right? Right, right, and but I don't, you know, again, I don't care about that. So I want Windows Eight to be exciting. I want you know Office to be exciting. Actually, Office is, I mean, within the context of Office, is pretty exciting, I guess. But it's as exciting uh, as a word processor can be, yeah, I mean, as exciting as something like that can be, yeah. Um, I, I, you don't have to look far to understand yeah. what I'm looking for, right? Because Apple does it all the time, and it's, it's a, it's a. It's a shame to have to compare yourself, though, to Apple in a case like this. <laughs> okay, but it's a combination of picking the right battles and then really nailing it, doing the right thing by your users. You know, I, I, there, are, we've already beaten Microsoft to death this, you know, past year or whatever. I mean, there are many places where they make mistakes, but um, there are areas where they get it right. But I, I, I feel like uh, this is a company that has squandered their lead because they've too often tried to emulate the success of windows in other markets and it's never really worked out i mean it's worked out in markets that are tangential to windows things like office and windows server of course but that model has never proven successful in markets you know that are further uh, afield from windows than those so uh, you know, I don't know. So what I'm not looking for are very specific things. You know, some people have said things like they need to make, uh, one guy said, I want to see Windows 8, you know, boot up in eight seconds or something like that. You know, <laughs> that, and that would be great, but that doesn't save Microsoft, right? So <laughs> well, it I, I, could help. I, I guess, is it, well, well it, is it one thing or is it a, a, an aggregate no, of a many, of stuff? No, that's, that's why I said t- uh, 10 things. I will tell you that one of the things that will be on this list because I'm writing it and this is very important to me is that Microsoft uh, needs to, cut back on the depth of the hierarchy of the leadership of the company. They I think have too that's many simply levels, put, that's right? the problem. And what that leads to is this slowness that grips the, the yep. company. It is unable to do anything in any amount of time. You know, I, we, we'll talk about the Google I.O. stuff in a bit. Um, but one of the things that really struck me was when they were talking about Chrome, he said, we moved Chrome to a six-week development cycle. And there's no doubt that the Internet Explorer team at Microsoft was, very, uh, was influenced by that decision. Um, they've moved to a much quicker development cycle than they were not before, but, you know, Microsoft is locked in this three-year development cycle for its core products, and that's probably fine for businesses, but what I'm suggesting is that it needs to move much more quickly, yeah. and if, it, if it's going to continue to sell this kind of legacy software, it needs to offer it in a form that emulates the development of web software or web services, and thus is updated on a continual basis all the time, and that You know, maybe they could do what Chrome does and split it off in a way that people who are enthusiasts or individuals can sort of subscribe to this thing where new features are added, even if they're experimental on an ongoing basis, and just keep people interesting and engaged, you know, interested and engaged. Um, I also feel like Microsoft needs to uh, ask explicitly for feedback on things well in advance of when they do. I feel like with Windows 7, and I I think it's going to happen again with Windows 8, that they're going to uh, basically drop this thing in our lap and say here it is we're interested in your bug fixes but we've ar- this thing is feature complete and my argument is that it they need to have a much broader engagement with actual customers before they decide what that thing is i I mean they must do it uh, and they claim to do it but I have never heard from anyone who's ever been a part of this or uh, have heard any heard of it heard a rumor of it there's been no you know uh, Microsoft seeded some little customer group with a you know a version of Windows Seven that has one Windows Eight feature because they were looking to see what they thought about it. I you've never hear anything like that, so I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying it needs to happen a lot more mm-hmm. than it does if it happens at all. And I, again, I have my doubts about that. So things like that, it, kind of conceptual things, you know, uh, ways Microsoft can change the way it goes about doing things in order to better compete in the, the world as it is now.
0: You know, a thought struck me when you were saying uh, that one of the problems was the long lead time, long turnaround time on Windows and shortening that. And I think about that and I think about the fact that Microsoft is really in technology a a mainstream old line business. And developmentally, that's kind of where it sits. And then I think about Ford uh, because Ford had some of these same problems. I mean, talk about a a mature industry, the auto industry. How, how does Ford get the excitement back when all the excitement went offshore to, uh, to a European and uh, Japanese cars? How does Ford turn around its lead time? Because lead time is a real big issue. And they brought in a CEO, very smart guy, who really focused on those exact issues and said, how do we solve this problem? It's, it is possible. I think maybe simply... Replacing Steve Ballmer with somebody who can take on these these top things and with some fresh thinking might
1: be all that's needed. What about so, that? <laughs> right. Um, I've tried to avoid the Steve Ballmer be replaced kind of discussion, but.
0: I think the uh, time uh, has come.
1: Right. I think so, it's becoming more and more apparent that yeah. he is not going to lead Microsoft into the next decade. When you say things like I just said, uh, Microsoft has too much corporate hierarchy and it can't make decisions you know ultimately if you're looking for the responsibility for that you always have to go back to the guy in charge right I, arguably if you were to make any complaint about this co- or any other company I mean at some point there has to be the place where the buck stops here and it's always going to be the CEO isn't it so yeah and it's easy to blame the CEO it's easy to blame the CEO but I would also point out that in this case you know Steve Ballmer has been a Microsoft employee, I think since the mid-1980s um, he's been groomed, you know, as a friend of Bill Gates from college to be an upper-level uh, management uh, throughout his career. the The problem with Steve Ballmer, perhaps, maybe the same thing that was wrong with Steve, uh, sorry, with Bill Gates at the end there, was just that he had been around for so long and had known such success doing the same thing he's over and over. He's Yeah, he it's hard to think. He may he may not be able to think outside of that sh- thing, you know, that got them there. So. Yes. I mean, I, I think the success of uh, Apple in particular, because Apple's been along ro- around as long as Microsoft, maybe a year longer, I can't remember the details, or a year less, uh, is that Apple operates as a group of small startups, and it still has a very aggressive corporate culture. You know, I I get this, and I don't mean to, you know, I have a lot of friends at Microsoft, and I respect uh, virtually everyone I know at Microsoft. I mean, I know they all try very hard and want to change the world and all that, but... I get this notion of Microsoft as a whole where it's of people punching time clocks, essentially yes. coming in, doing the nine to five thing, leaving, going home. And that's not going to make they it. don't think about work anymore. So um, I, I may not be true, though. I don't want to know true. I, I well, this is a generalization, but it's a huge company. So the problem is, even if what I said is not true of a good percentage of that company, it is true of a good percentage. Maybe of that company. I'm going to defend so, them. Because okay. you and
0: I both know that that the rank and file in Microsoft is energetic, excited. They're there because they want to make a difference. I well, think it's a bomber and they, some they key middle be. management that needs to be scraped out of there yeah. so you that these be, smart yeah. young people can, can, can do what they want to do.
1: You can only be denied so many times before you just give up. And that's how that well, punch, that's, time clock punching culture yeah. starts. Then get rid of it's, them, too. But uh, I well, know no, there are a lot of good so people. Th- these were guys who went in probably wide-eyed and idealistic right. and... Yep. No, 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 no. Or, you know, you can, all, you can imagine, you can see it everywhere, actually, Microsoft. You know, someone will come in uh, to some new position, some division, and you know you think, they think, I'm going to uh, change this place, and I'm going to make everything right, and then they get beaten down by the system. I think and of year people like,
0: like Scoble, who uh, went in there with that exact point of sure. view, and left after a couple of years saying, yeah, they just, it's, uh, he didn't say, he never said anything bad about Microsoft to his credit. But you're reading between the lines. I think he and a lot of people come to Microsoft hoping to make a difference. But you gotta—it starts at the top, and with the, and the the top guy, and then that layer of management beneath yeah. him. If I'm if I'm it, on the Microsoft like a, it's, board,
1: it's, it's like this big glob of fat yep. on the outside of this company, and it's it's you know uh, years and years ago. Um, I, it's funny to think on this. I, I heard the phrase, and this was with regards to hiring at Microsoft, that they only hired the. Uh, what was the phrase, it was the the best and the brightest, you know, and uh, I remember being on a bus full of these guys uh, going to Comdex in 1994 or 5, whatever year it was, and, and looking at these guys and thinking, you know, how interesting it must be uh, to be part of this at Microsoft. Um, Microsoft is so big now that there's no way they're just hiring the bright, the best and the brightest. They're Pretty much hiring, you know, people yeah. with heartbeats and college degrees. So <laughs> you got a heartbeat, I mean, we got a job. Well, I mean, it's just too big. I mean, how yeah. you know? So again, I I know that there are people there who care and want to change the world, want to do the right thing. I just feel like there's too much structure on top of that. I agree. And that it, you know. I think we're both pointing
0: the same way. I know you're reluctant to say that, but look at look at Google did. i mean, Larry Page said, okay, Eric, you're
1: done. Uh, I don't know if that was, I don't know if he's the right CEO. But right. You, but they you, made that move that Microsoft can't make, which right. is we need to shake this thing up and do things yep. in a different way so that we can make decisions more quickly. Yep. So, yeah, we talk, we've we talked about this before, you know, Google is a hyper fast version of Microsoft. So within 10 years, they, it, they did what it took Microsoft, say, 20 years or more, 25 years, whatever, to reach that size and that power. And they they already see in their own culture culture that things are slowing down, you know that it's decision by committee that nothing gets you know people have ideas but they never go anywhere because you know they can't get anything done and so there they are trying to uh, shake things up and I think I think that that's uh, yeah Microsoft needs to shake things up. All right. Anyway, enough. so with this thing I'll probably call this thing how Microsoft can fix Microsoft just in uh, <laughs> you know in keeping with the titles of my previous articles but. Um, so anyone who's listening to this, if you have ideas along these lines or have thoughts along these lines, please email me and then I'll try to put this stuff together sometime in the next week or so.
0: It's, you sound sad. <laughs> you don't
1: want to be doing this. You, know, you don't want to be fixing them. I don't, I don't want to have to. Yeah. Well, I can't fix them. I don't, you know, actually, I should, and I've said this before, I'm sure, you know, this, this has come up many times. The biggest one was during the early days of Windows Vista when, I would talk to these guys all the time, uh, guys in the Windows division, guys in the PR team, and I would say, when are you going to stop taking sucker punches from Apple in these stupid commercials that they make and stand up for yourself and right. defend yourself? And, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, and it took them a year. I mean, it, it was a, a really long amount of time to let the conversation be so one-sided. But w- at one point, someone finally came back to me and said, well, you know, you, you keep complaining about how we never do anything. You know, how would you have us fix this? And I said, whoa, 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 you know. I'm a critic. I don't have answers. I just have, <laughs> I don't have, I to have, do com- it. I have complaints, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I have so, an answer. Yeah. I mean, I, I might, yeah, unfortunately, or whatever, better or worse, my job is fairly limited. So yeah. I can, I can point out the problem, I guess, but there's gotta be somebody out there who could,
0: you know, it's a real challenge. I, uh, I have a huge respect for people like Alan Mulally who, who, you know, you know, one of the problems Ford had is they kept putting Fords in charge. You know, family <laughs> yes. members in charge. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, so here comes an outsider, uh, an engineer, which I think is very interesting. I think it does take a certain kind of uh, mind to do this, yeah. um, and it takes uh, you know to march in and say, "You're out, you're out, you're out," uh, and and say, "We're gonna we're gonna move this ship." That's this is you know executive compensation is through the roof. We know these guys make a ridiculous amount of money, but this is
1: why. If you are that good,
0: it can make billions of dollars in difference to the company.
1: Uh, within the context of Microsoft, I mean, another thing that we've discussed in the past, because it was an, a news item at the time, was, you know, how do you replace a guy like Bill Gates? And right. who in the industry exactly, who could work at Microsoft, has the same amount of influence? Well, was it wasn't Ray Ozzy. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. But but when you look at Ray Ozzy coming in, you think, well, okay, this guy is a, good. He's a yeah. contemporary of Bill Gates he is a technical wizard and a mm-hmm, genius mm-hmm. smart guy he he bought into the cloud at a very yeah. early uh, stage in his career we should have maybe noted the warnings <laughs> a little more strongly about how he kept releasing the same product again and again uh, under different names but whatever uh, you know he who else but who could you know come in and take over for bill gates so ray Ozzy didn't work out And now what, (laughs) you know, I mean, now, now that we know that didn't work, I mean, obviously you can't have a one-to-one replacement in the same way that you're never going to find a guy to replace Steve Jobs at Apple. And then further down the line in the same way that you're never going to find two idealistic uh, wonder kids like the Sergey Brin and um, Larry Page at Google, you know, how do you, how do you do it? You know? So a, a lot of people are saying we need to get rid of Steve Ballmer. Okay. With, but with who? You know who who's who can run this company? You know it's a it's a, it's a much tougher question, and there's no real way to answer it because we'll never know unless it happens how they would do. Um, you know, so it's very easy to say, "Yeah, Steve Ballmer's the problem," but you know, now what? I mean, uh, we, we didn't replace Steve uh, or Bill Gates rather very easily or very well. No. You know, how do we how how would we do this?
0: I don't know. I don't know. We don't have to know. We're critics. That's, That's
1: all. Right. <laughs> just accept the limitations of your job. We just say no. We don't say yes. <laughs> it's
0: not our job. Hey, we're going to take a break, come back. I, of course, the big story of the week, we uh, we buried the lead, is Microsoft purchasing <laughs> Skype. Here's a chance right. to really uh, slander Steve Ballmer or not. We'll find out in just a bit. Paul Thorat is here. By the way, there, your questions, your suggestions uh, for Paul's list, his Twitter handle is at T-H-U-R-O-T-T. Or that at gmail.com is fine, too. If or to. at gmail.com. If you have a, a way to fix Microsoft, what is your suggestion? Meanwhile, let me talk a little bit about our friends at Citrix and uh, how you can be a support hero if you're in the support business. And I think anybody who listens to this show does support, it, if, if only for family and friends. That's what we were talking about before as, as the show began, is you know helping people get, uh, get their stuff fixed and uh, sometimes, you know, you end up on a phone call where you're thinking, God, if I could just reach out my hands and fix that computer myself, I wouldn't have to it'd take me a tenth of the time. It's remote access. Remote access in its most useful guise, and that's what GoToAssist does. Now I know there are a lot of choices out there. This is a very competitive space, but nothing is better than GoToAssist Express. It's fast, it's easy to use, and it has features for the support pro to make you look like a hero. Things like unattended access it's very easy for your clients even if they don't have it installed ahead of time to install it just two clicks of the mouse and 30 seconds later you're in and fixing their system and from then on it's 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 trivial you could do eight sessions at once which makes you much more productive in fact uh, on average go to assist express users say they're getting about a 40 percent increase in their support productivity that's like two extra work days a week that's a lot more time to play call of duty go to assist.com Click the Try It Free button and use the uh, promo code WINDOWS and you could try this free for 30 days. Free! Unlimited! Go to assist.com. Actually, I guess we have a URL. I'm sorry. Go to assist.com slash WINDOWS. You don't have to do the Try It Free button. We'll get you there directly. Go to assist.com slash WINDOWS. If you haven't tried this yet, uh, you may be using something else. Just give it a try for 30 days. Uh, and I think you'll find a way to uh, to change your support structure to turn yourself into a hero skype what a shock i mean the rumors were flying that google or facebook would buy skype google didn't make any sense they already have similar technology they don't need it uh like they bought <laughs> so, gizmo
1: not so long ago. so does microsoft so does microsoft, by so the way. Does
0: microsoft. I, it's called msn i don't understand really why microsoft bought it. facebook made a lot of sense so i got a theory paul therott yeah my theory is microsoft bought it for
1: bpos so that they'd have a um, but they already have something for BPOS.
0: So, isn't this better? And, but then here's no, the second I, part of it.
1: Actually, no, Leo, it's not. And that's, no. that's what
0: cracks me up. Well, here's the second part. They're yeah. a, a minority stakeholder, but a big stakeholder in Facebook. Maybe they licensed some of it back to Facebook, because that's who could use this more than anybody. So,
1: okay. So <clears throat> my first theory, and I still adhere to this in some ways, is that they did it to prevent some other company. I would guess Facebook at this point, because it appears Google didn't actually want Skype. But let's... Facebook's you know, the only, but not
0: $8.5 Facebook couldn't even pay it, and I don't
1: think, $8.5 Right, but Microsoft could, so that's how yeah. you keep it out of their hands, right? I so mean, the, Microsoft is a company that has $50 billion in cash, cash-like assets, right? right. So $8.5 billion dollars is really not that much money. I mean, let's face it, it was just sitting there doing nothing anyway. Um, I put a link in the show notes uh, from um, Business Insider uh, who noted that uh, the cost to Microsoft for this It works out to $14.70 per Skype user. Whoa. (laughs) And that this purchase represents 116 days of cash flow for the company. (laughs) So, you know, they can afford it. I mean, consider, you know, maybe how much you make in a year and then divide that by three and think about the cars that you've purchased and, of course, the homes you've purchased. And I'm sure you think you can afford those things. So, okay. (laughs) So, no problem there. Um, So, they can afford it. I think that's obvious. No matter how you right. look at it, they, they have the cash. But I mean, so wh- I don't, don't care you if you've got
0: billions it. and billions to spend. If you're throwing it away, you're throwing well, it away. Okay,
1: I think they are throwing it away. But I, I would say that there are two primary aspects to this deal that make some sense for Microsoft. The first one is what I already said: they 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 kept this technology out of the hand of a competitor. So I'm completely man,
0: wrong. They were they will not share this with Facebook. In fact, this
1: was the point. No, no, no. Actually. Uh, Keeping it away from Facebook and then licensing it back to them is a perfectly valid use of this deal. I mean, that's fine, right? Because they are partners in a way. The the problem for Microsoft, and I would say also for Google, and actually maybe even for Apple eventually, is that Facebook is in some ways a competitor too, right? They are taking eyeballs away from these other companies. Uh, People are doing things on Facebook, sharing things on Facebook. And now the the ad money uh, is going to Facebook as well. So... It makes sense that a company like Facebook where people update each other and with oh. what they're doing textually and now with photos and imagine, now with videos. Imagine
0: if there's just video sitting right there in your Facebook. Well, you
1: but say, imagine hey, if it was live video. In other yeah, words, exactly. It's not hard to imagine. I, I'm, I'm sorry. This is not, you know, Tron or uh, <laughs> Logan's Run or something. I mean, it, it's, it's very easy to imagine Facebook wanting to offer this capability. Right. You can already instant chat. Why not instant video chat? Right. Or so, exactly. It's uh, chat Scott,
0: roulette only with your friends.
1: Safely, yeah, maybe. I mean, in some ways, Facebook is like chat roulette because a lot of those friends aren't friends. But okay, so you could see where this would be a big deal for Facebook. So I, I can see that. I, I think the other one is that Skype actually is a good brand, you know. And if Microsoft is smart and they don't rename it to Windows Live Skype or <laughs> oh, some oh. stupid, I know. Oh. They, Oh. You think, you think I'm kidding. <laughs> um, if EPO Skype. <laughs> yeah. So they know, you know, Microsoft uh, is, is CEO Steve Ballmer noted this during the uh, press conference the other day. Um, Skype is a verb, you know, in yes. the same way that I Googled this online uh, or I Googled you online or right. something. You know, you can say that. You can say, I Skype, you know, let's, If do you want to Skype or let's Skype? Um, people do say that. That's, that's, that's yes, true. They do. Um, so I Microsoft do. would be wise to not screw around with this brand mm. and maybe put little Skype logo things all over the place, right? In Outlook, in Windows Live, Messenger, in Hotmail, in any place where it makes sense. The the problem I have, and, and this is, you know, so to the outside world, I think the things I just said make plenty of sense and people maybe could nod their heads and say, oh yeah, okay, you know, I get it now, I get it now. The problem is if you know too much about Microsoft, it doesn't make any sense at all. It still doesn't make any sense because Microsoft has technology that I believe, and I I, I want to hear it differently. I want, in fact, I intend to talk to someone from Microsoft about this soon, is I believe that Microsoft already has technology that's superior to Skype and that it is exposed in two primary ways today. One is through Windows Live Messenger, which offers audio and video chatting uh, capabilities as well as conferencing capabilities with two or more uh, individuals, not just face-to-face. And they have something called Link, which is not a brand new product like people are making it sound, but rather the evolution of unified commu- uh, communications technologies that Microsoft has had for years. And I, and I have to say this because you know I just spent a bunch of time talking about how Microsoft does everything wrong, but one of the things that Microsoft has always done right, and they did it with this stuff, is you take technology that previously was really hard to implement, really expensive, and you bring it down market and down market and down market, and that's what you're seeing with Link. So... Link provides uh, Windows Live Messenger-style chatting capabilities, but also a bunch of other stuff. You know, whiteboarding, uh, shared document editing, uh, shared desktop, shared application, things like that. I've done uh, live meetings with Microsoft over Link, where I can control the other person's desktop and run some server software that I don't have installed locally, so I can see what it's like. Uh, it's very powerful stuff. So, how does? I mean, how does Skype improve on that? I, I think. Uh, and, and as far as Link goes, you know, Link will very soon be available in a very inexpensive package called Office 365. It is, which we've talked about, it is oh. one of the three things in Office 365, right? Yeah. The other two, the, the three big things. The other two being Exchange and SharePoint, which everyone has heard of. And then the third piece is Link, which no one's heard of, but Microsoft has actually had something with another name at the company for a long, long time. So it's, it's mature technology. It works really well. So, what? What I don't, I don't get it. No, technically speaking, what does Skype give you? Um, do, you said you guys have talked about it elsewhere on the Twit Network. You know, what did the conversation come up about Stephen Levy's book in the Into the Plex and how Google engineers worked to prevent Google from purchasing Skype in the past and their rationale for that? Right. Right. Because it's peer-to-peer technology. Right. Didn't scale very well, and thus was not.
0: I don't know if they're right about that. There's 700 million Skype users.
1: It's, <laughs> it's scaling okay. Yeah. So I, w- I guess what I would say is one technical difference, and again, as a, a semi-layman in this regard, in my understanding of it, between what Microsoft has and what Skype is, is that Skype's um, message or, you know, communication software is uh, peer-to-peer. Whereas Microsoft requires a server of some kind in the right. middle.
0: And peer-to-peer would be an advantage uh, on somebody like Facebook where you have 600 million users. The fact that Skype can show that it can scale to that size is pretty important. Yes.
1: But, you know, I, I wrote this in my news article. You know, there are numbers for the number of people that are on Skype, the number of people that do this and that. Um, the number of people that use Windows Live Messenger is over double the number of people that use Skype. Now... Not all of them are necessarily doing audio and video chat every single day. So I, I, I'd like to, I don't think Microsoft will release numbers for that right now, but it wouldn't surprise me to discover that Microsoft is already delivering as much audio and video chatting vi- via its various services. Oh, I'm sure that's the case. As was Skype. So yeah. again, I have to ask, what was the point, you know, technically speaking? In other words, if you're, you work at Microsoft and you're on the Link team or you're on Windows Live, And you get this, you know, uh, edict from on high. Maybe they asked them. I don't know how they did it. But, you know, now here's Skype. And by the way, Skype's going to be a division at Microsoft, right? Um, These other products are within other divisions. There's actually going to be a Skype division.
0: Oh, that's not good.
1: That means they'll be
0: shooting at each other.
1: Right. This is the Rayazi thing all over again. You know, you get this team over here doing this. You get this team over this. There's probably going to be some uh, sort of edict again from on high where, you know, you have to figure out. Oh, here We just bought Skype. We spent a lot of money on it, so figure out how you're going to integrate that into your product. You know, so I, I imagine I will see Skype buttons everywhere. You know, because you want to promote that logo and the brand, and that's you know okay. I guess I could. You can imagine a Skype button in in the office uh, ribbon. You know, in Outlook or whatever. Okay. <laughs> But it's unclear how that's different from what's already in there. If you have this infrastructure today, I mean, maybe it's lack of infrastructure. Maybe uh, if you have an exchange set up on the back end today and you want to do all the presence stuff, you need to have a link infrastructure and all that. And maybe Skype lets you do presence without having that infrastructure. Maybe I, I don't know. I need to. I need to understand the technical differences. And I guess what I'm saying is, I, I just don't get it. So you've far, you've actually
0: made it worse for me. <laughs> OK, I I didn't I thought, oh, this is not so
1: bad. Now it makes no I, sense. I just I just don't. Well, again, I, when you look at it from the perspective of a they can't afford it. And, and by the way, that money was sitting there doing nothing. Um, they kept it out of the hands of one or more competitors. There are other players. You think it was a p-
0: pure defensive
1: play? I mean, even if it is right, even if that's all it is, they they do at the end of the day benefit from you know the Skype brand is positive, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, I, I don't expect them to generate many Skype-specific revenues, I guess. I'm not oh, even sure what that yeah, means, yeah, but I don't know. It, it puts them in an interesting place where you know you have to think from the perspective of the wireless carriers who are actually shouldering the bandwidth burden of what occurs over Skype, that now Microsoft is going to offer this damn thing, and isn't that going to just increase the traffic, and how do they feel about that, and what are the, what are the... Uh, the legal ramifications, the technical ramifications. I don't know. I mean, I this is a big question mark. So I'm not saying it's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I'm just saying it's maybe a little more nuanced than people have uh, maybe discussed it so far. And I just think it ends up uh, it, like so many things in life. It's just a question. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure.
0: Just one more thing to hate about <laughs> business is, is buying a company... That provides a product that's great yep. as an anti-competitive move to keep it out of the hands of somebody else, and they're just well, putting it, it, it to sleep. And it happens. Well, assuming well, Twitter that, just it. did this with TweetDeck, right? I love TweetDeck. So, did they actually buy TweetDeck? They bought TweetDeck by offering twice. So, so here's the story on that: Uber Media, Bill Gross's company, Uber Media, which has three or four of the big Twitter clients wanted to buy TweetDeck for $20 million. That would have given it more than 10, maybe even as much as 20% of all Twitter traffic, enough so that they could create a Twitter competitor saying, in the same client, you could put your post here and on the new Uber Twitter. Um, right, which allows 280
1: characters, uh, right? Exactly.
0: You know? In fact, that was the rumor. So uh, Twitter comes along and says, "We'll give you twice as much." Now, if I'm the CEO of TweetDeck, I'm going, "Yeah, baby." They got 40 million instead of 20. <laughs> for by the way, for a Twitter client, for, for a curious. Twitter client, which I guarantee <laughs> oh, yeah. you
1: disappears. I'm, as good as it may be, uh, it, well, but it's right. not whether it's
0: good. It's merely that by buying a popular Twitter client, Uber Media would have been a credible threat to Twitter. So Twitter says, "Good, we, we'll we'll keep that from happening." Yeah. And that's to me. I mean, look, I understand that's good business, but I think it's shameful. I mean, it just really it doesn't. It's not good for us. And if they, if I, yeah. I do pray yeah. that Microsoft does
1: something with Skype. I, I just think a Skype
0: me button. I think in Facebook will, but I would think, be huge.
1: you. Know, I, I just don't. So just within Microsoft products, I already mentioned. I think we're going to see Skype logos everywhere. That's fine. I think the Skype as we know it will stick around. It will be. Uh, you I know. hope so. I, I, I built a whole network on Skype. Foolish me. That was their intention all along. You know, by the way, this is Microsoft. You know, uh, these guys have mastered business licensing. Uh, one of the fears you should have and others who use Skype uh, in this context should have is uh, Microsoft coming down the pike Uh-oh. someday and saying, hey, by the way, uh, Skype is free for personal use. It always has been. Yeah. But uh, now uh, you can join our software assurance program and you can license Skype for as many hours as you transmit per week or whatever. And it's a significant <laughs> amount of money. And that that maybe is a uh, something you need to.
0: <laughs> well, we are. We've been. We've been for that about. very reason transitioning off Skype and uh, the new studio. will be using something besides Skype, but uh, this just hastens and adds a little prod
1: to sure. that. We'll see. I I, I wouldn't uh, assume that they're going to do anything no. evil with it yet. But and by the way, I think you might be right that going back and licensing Skype to Facebook would be. Huge. A great way for them to share revenues. Huge. He did say, you know, I, didn't, I haven't finished the press conference yet. I'm going to write something up about this eventually, uh, probably in the next day or two. But uh, I w- it was very interesting. You know, when you think about this in the context of previous Microsoft deals like the Nokia partnership, you know, a lot of people wondered at that time, why didn't Microsoft just merge or buy uh, Nokia? Why did they yeah, that's interesting. do this partnership? And then when you have something like Skype, you know, why didn't they just partnership partner with them? Why did they buy them, you know? And and he actually kind of addressed that. He didn't bring up Nokia, but he said, you know, when th- we do different kinds of deals. And he said, when we looked at this, it just made more sense. Because we looked at an ad-sharing deal, he said, with Skype. We talked about that, you know, us supplying our ads. It's one of the many ways that Microsoft could partner with them. And, uh, you know, they looked at the overall business and they looked at the opportunity and they decided it made more sense just to buy them. And so, uh, you know, different deals require different terms and different uh, ways of looking at things and so forth, so... Uh, we can't assume that these people are just feeble-minded. I mean, they bought them for a reason. <laughs> I mean, you know,
0: you are feeble-minded, my friend.
1: No, <laughs> we have eight, you know, fifteen billion dollars.
0: No, I, I do, and I have to confess, I, uh, I often am um, uh, reminded of how feeble-minded I am when I try to suss and figure out <laughs> yeah. the business strategies yeah, yeah. of companies that far superior to my mortal sure. limits. But uh, nevertheless. I hear you. I think they're feeble-minded. No, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's, look, I clearly have no idea what things are worth, you know, so a Twitter client yeah. is somewhat, what do we know? $20, $20 million. For a no, 20 40 client? it turns out, right? So who would have thought? That, I, thought? I, that's, ins- that's insane. Um, Makes me wonder why I didn't write a Twitter client,
0: you know, because it's yeah, easy.
1: Yeah, I mean, $8.5 billion for a company that uh, eBay had b- purchased four or five years earlier. You know what the, for- funny,
0: the funny thing is? eBay made money. Yeah, because they were still an investor. Uh, they, got, in the they have company, 30%. So eBay paid 45 bucks a subscriber. One, one point, one point seven billion. Uh, 1.7 billion. But because they retained a 30% stake, this sold for such a high price,
1: eBay actually made we'll money. On the black. Uh, yes, okay. They, they made oh, good, good yeah. money. There, there, there is a story here about some group of investors who convinced eBay to let this happen, you know, i.e. Wow. them buying it at a lower cost and, they take a write-off and all that because their belief was that we will be able to turn this thing around and sell it and make more money for you as well. Right. And eBay, you know, I think eBay saw the writing on the wall and we're going to lose money on this, so why well, not? They,
0: it was it was a smart move. Yeah, and it worked it's out for everybody. So out. Mark uh, Andreessen made hundreds of millions of dollars on it. <laughs> nice to see him finally
1: <laughs> make money on Microsoft. There, so good for him.
0: Good for yeah. That must kind of make him feel good because basically yeah. Microsoft killed Nets. If
1: I was Mark Andreessen, every time I was in a store and I was buying anything from here on out, I'd say, oh, by the way, Microsoft paid for this. <laughs> every time I bought something, I'd buy a car and be like, yeah, Microsoft Take paid. that, Bill Gates.
0: Ha ha. Sure. How about you? So we were at Google I.O. on uh, Tuesday. Uh, uh, yep. they were, that was the first keynote, the Android keynote yesterday. Chrome uh, was the topic. Uh, they did launch Google Music. I have actually now synced uh, all 8,000 songs on my computer up with uh, Google Music. That means I, I can play to,
1: I need to ask them for access to this early it so I can write awesome. It is um, awesome. So I assume it's very similar to the Amazon stuff. Uh,
0: uh, that's, it's different because Amazon's selling music, right? So Amazon really wants to sell you music and then you can store it on the cloud. Well, right, Google but, distributes this application yeah. that you install... And yep. run. It's running right now. I ran show, it at home show, too. Show me the app. I want to that see the Starts
1: app. to copy over yeah, all but of your music. The no, but Amazon does the same thing. Yeah, kind of. I, but I mean, Amazon's I believe it's the same. So, how much storage do you actually have? Is it twenty nope. gigabytes? Or? They don't
0: say. There's no limit.
1: Well, well, maybe that's, that's... Uh, well, okay. So they tell you the number of tracks you can store. They don't say that either. I don't see that. No, anywhere. they did. They did. They did. Um, I want to say it was twenty thousand tracks. Okay, that's a I lot. Th- it's th- a lot. So twenty thousand. How much do you think uh, twenty thousand? Typical size of an MP3 sign today. Five megabytes? It's not a lot. I don't know what it is. is it? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, five five yeah. megabytes. I, I don't know. Then
0: it looks like they might be re-encoding because I see a Fraunhofer license. Uh, oh, that there. might just be to what Maybe. you need to store it. Let's see, for instance, okay, so here's this Galaxy uh, tab. Um, mm. I haven't copied any music onto it. This is oh, okay. this well, is just the um, the music I, store. I, and everything that is on my hard drive now, I can listen to. It will cache it. Yeah, it's sure. like cloud. I guess it's like cloud. I, I, I think
1: it's very much like the Amazon thing. I think that Google gives you more storage space and uh, both of them have an Android client and then both of them have a web client that works, you know, elsewhere, like on PCs or right. Um Google do- I mean, my, Amazon does have this deal where if you buy music from their store, you can put it right into your online cloud instead of downloading it. Right. Uh, I wish I would- they could do that, but of course they're not, right now they're not selling anything, so that
0: doesn't, Google yeah. the. You know what? Google also looks up album art, and uh, they're doing mm-hmm. some sort of CDDB stuff, where they're um, or Grace Note stuff, where they're um, actually tag- uh, Listen, the tags. We're,
1: We are so close uh, because of this service and Amazon's, and then I think eventually Apple's, to not having to mostly download things to the to a device right. to a PC. I, I do like one of the things that they've done with the Google Music, where it will automatically cache things on the device, so you can listen to the stuff you listen right. to most while you're offline. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's the one
0: negative, of course, of having cloud storage. But I love it that now, without ever copying any songs to this tablet, brand new tablet, I've got my, I've got my entire music collection on here. I mean, uh, and yeah. it plays, it plays well, it plays quickly. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how well it would work in 3G or 4G, but it's. It's pretty well, like I said, right? I mean, I do this with the Amazon stuff. I think it's very similar. It's 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 very similar with the one exception that at this point Google doesn't seem to be selling. Um,
1: okay, but that makes I mean that just kind of means it's inferior. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not as good. I mean, I, so the the interesting thing about Google Music is that they went the Amazon route in the sense that they were unable or unwilling to signed contracts with the music industry. They wa- it
0: was clear and, they were watching Amazon and, and said, hmm, okay, let's go. Yeah,
1: and it was also clear that they were working with the music industry and were so taken aback right. by the requirements of these boobs that they just decided to go on without it because what Google wanted to do was mm-hmm. be able to match your music collection to a database in the cloud right. and say there's no reason for you to upload anything. We already have it all. So now we've compared your music well, collection. Well, they even demoed something
0: music. on stage. And because I uh, we interviewed Michael Robertson at mp3.com, who got sued out of existence because that's what <laughs> he did, yeah. uh, I was a little sensitized to that. And Google showed, you know, because they were showing Android at home and they were showing how they could use Android in devices, they showed a little ball that you have on your stereo system. And all you have to do is wave a CD with a uh, near-field uh, uh, chip in it, an NFC chip in it. And it goes, oh, yeah, I know that. You own that and, one, yeah. Yeah, you own that one. And that problem with that, of course, is exactly what you... Well, the truth is, well, I mean, Michael can, Robertson you says...
1: Have, you can have parties where people come over to your house and you take turns. Well, that's true.
0: Michael Robertson's position is he believes it's legal. He didn't have the money to fight Universal. In fact, talk about it, a nasty business practice. Edgar Bronfman, after he reduced the share value of mp3.com to almost any nothing by suing them and winning or settling, <clears throat> bought them. Right, he got it down to five bucks a share, and then he bought it. And 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 Robertson told me uh, that uh, when they had their closing dinner, Bronfman said, "Yeah, we. That was pretty good strategy, huh?" (laughs) I mean, they did this. uh, They did this. uh, Oh, it just makes me livid, livid, evil. Evil. So, Google got
1: uh, just ticked off with the music industry. I think, but
0: Google didn't go so far as doing the thing that we would all like, which is this same program that is now uploading everything could just scan it and say, yeah, I got that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Be a I lot that's faster. Where, that's where this stuff is heading. And you actually, think? if I understand, if I'm reading the rumors correctly, you know, Apple is uncharacteristically late to this particular market. But I think, but I think the reason is they are working with the recording industry yeah, maybe. to enable this kind of thing. and that they're Now, of course, what's going to happen on the Apple side is they'll have to charge for this because Apple will themselves be paying some... Right, licensing the music industry. Yeah. Right, so you will have to pay. So it will be part of a service like Mobile V or whatever. Just bugs it. the hell out of me. I
0: bought this music. I. Sure. What's the difference between storing it on my local hard drive and storing it on Google or Amazon's well, hard drive? Okay,
1: but this again is an old school company, right? I mean, uh, their argument today is the same as it's always been. It's like, yeah, we we get that you owned this album on a track, but now we have this thing called right. a cassette or a CD or whatever. Right. Uh, you need to buy it again. That's our our take on it is that you need to buy this again. Not that you walk in with your a track and now we just give you a brand new CD because you already paid for it. You know? So this is kind of how this industry works. Unfortunately, I have to say though, I, uh, I,
0: I will use both Amazon and uh, Google's cloud. Oh, me too. Me
1: too. But I am, I'm, I'm rather fond of, uh, Google well, I already solution. pay, I, yeah, I pay Google for extra storage, as we've discussed, they use the Picasa web. Well, where do they say what uh, the limit is?
0: Because I, I don't, I couldn't find they that.
1: They said yet. it during the keynote. I, okay. I, I think the figure was 20,000 tracks. Okay. That's what they said. That's a lot. I mean, I, I have a pretty big collection
0: and it's only 8,000.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, I have to look at mine, mine's nowhere
0: near 20,000. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of songs. I find out. It's funny they don't
1: say a storage size. I think that's yeah, I mean, things. my music collection is 25 gigabytes. Yeah, that's uh, not much. It is, yeah, thirty eight hundred items or less. Right, easy, easy peasy. Yeah.
0: So I think that's very interesting. They're doing it by a number of songs. You know, do you, here's the interesting question: Do you think they are, in fact, even storing these? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truthfully, they're not storing. A, uh, they're not storing a copy I, of think, Jack and well, Diane for every single <laughs> okay. person that, that uploads it.
1: Well, you want to be careful with that one, right? Because uh, what if you have uh, you could test this easily enough. Just I upload guess. a borked song right. and see what happens to yeah, it. I I, mean, guess you're right. I I suppose you could eliminate duplicates if they were literally duplicates, and there would be a lot of that stuff. The problem is if you rip a version of that song and I rip a version of that song, and we use slightly different settings, the the file yeah, size you're are right. different. Yeah,
0: you're right. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I am uploading. It's still uploading. It's a lot. So I'm looking. Yeah, it will take a couple of days. On this machine, 6,473 items, 41 gigs. So they're offering, you know, almost 200 gigs of storage for free. That's a lot more. That's 10 times more Amazon.
1: And it's for free. It's not even close, yeah. No, that was the one complaint I had about Amazon was when you compared their pricing for the music to Google's pricing for what at the time was only you know, photos, Gmail, and things like that, you know, Google Docs, um, they were something like four times as expensive. I mean, um, and obviously what you want to see is Google enter the market, Apple enter the market, right. and then the prices will come down because they're going to have to compete. With I think it's
0: other. interesting because Google, uh, we thought Google would also announce a music store, and all they did is they added books to the, well, actually, I don't even know if that's new, but they have books and apps in the in the marketplace. Well, they, no, they added a movie rental thing. Movie well. rentals, that's right.
1: So... Yeah, I mean, you know, Google is moving slowly into this iTunes space in a way, right? So, I, I think over the next year or whatever, you'll they'll fill that out, and and this is that ecosystem play that we talked about before, where the one area where Android really falls short of iTunes of uh, sorry of iOS is that ecosystem, ecosystem stuff. Yeah. So this is them filling in those gaps. It's smart. Now the problem is, you know, to kind of bring it back to a Microsoft perspective, and maybe we should do this for each of these items is you know, what does Microsoft offer that's anything like this? Obviously, they have the Zune stuff, but they don't have any notion of cloud storage uh, of your stuff. They have uh, a Zune Pass, which is probably the very closest thing. Yeah, what are,
0: Do you think users make a distinction between something like Zune Pass and uh, and cloud storage?
1: Well, they should because Zune Pass is basically the entire Zune collection, seven or eight million songs, whatever it is. Right. Whereas uh, Google Music is your collection uploaded, right. you know. So it's uh, it's superior. Is the Microsoft solution is superior? It's also a lot more expensive though, because you're True. paying fifteen dollars. I mean, fifteen dollars a month is very expensive. Now, granted, you're getting ten dollars of that back in a sense, if you you know because you get the free ten downloads, and that's right. uh, the equivalent of ten dollars. But you know, even at five dollars a month, you're talking about sixty dollars a year. Um, sixty dollars minus zero is sixty dollars. So it's sixty dollars <laughs> more expensive. You know, I mean, it's. It's more expensive. You're good at math. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to help me out there. <laughs> math so, is hard. Uh, you know, I, I guess the point here being uh, they don't really have anything. And and the reason this is a problem is uh, there are certain digital media solutions that are available, for, you know, obviously on the Xbox 360 and on Windows Phone and on Windows itself. Um, but I think that this stuff, uh, what Amazon's doing, what Google's doing, um, and what Apple is most likely doing, almost certainly doing, are, are more forward-leaning. You know, and this is another one of those areas where other companies are seizing the initiative. And you don't, you don't even hear rumors about Microsoft um, doing anything in this field. And if they, I, I think if Microsoft is truly serious about consumers, which I doubt, um, they would be doing something like this.
0: One thing that Microsoft really did right with the uh, Windows Phone is have a hardware platform. That's standard across all the phones, in, with with slight variations. But you have a certain amount of processors. You could have different mm-hmm. amounts of memory. But
1: you, they you, specifies they specify the minimums, and they're right. pretty heady, heady minimums. Right.
0: So when you buy a Windows Phone, you know you're getting some, and you know what version. Well, of course, there's only really one version. But you, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely know which version, Leo. <laughs> there's, no, you and and eventually you'll all get magnified. But but um. Google's kind of addressing this, I think more looking at, at Apple than Microsoft, but saying we're going to try to solve this
1: fragmentation
0: issue as well.
1: Yeah, so the Android announcements were very interesting because that's the number one complaint. And it's a, certain, yep. it's a valid complaint oh, about sure Android is yep. the fragmentation. So mm-hmm. you have hundreds of devices from numerous manufacturers being sold by every wireless carrier on Earth. They all have different versions of Android. Some of them are updated on a, good ba- you know, on a quick basis. Some, most are not. Some are never updated, right? So, and then actually, I would say Google added to the fragmentation by announcing Honeycomb, which was a tablet-only version of Android that had all these extra features, and they had no clear notion of, or at least they didn't communicate one at the time, of when those features if ever would make their way down to the phone, and if so, how, through what version of the OS and so forth. So, um, they addressed all that stuff at at Google I.O. this year. Uh, Yeah, this past week, and uh, they'll be. Uh, they talked about an interim update to Honeycomb 3.1, which is not entirely relevant. Uh, but they talked about a future version of Android called Ice Cream Sandwich, which will be available for both smartphones and uh, tablets, and tie the OS together, much like Apple's done with iOS, and much like many people wish Microsoft would do, um, and maybe they will do in Windows 8, perhaps. Let's say. Um, but the the to the fragmentation issue, I, I don't know what they call this. It's an initiative or a. a a quorum or <laughs> what the heck it is, Begging but it's basically pleading. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, an optional um, opt in kind of thing for uh, it's uh, some of the first tier Android handset makers, the wireless carriers who will agree that when they release a, a device that it will be updated with uh, new versions of the Android OS for at least 18 months. Right. Which is most of the lifetime of a typical wireless contract, right? Two years. And I think it's reasonable, Right. So that if you uh, you know you buy a Android handset in January 2011, and for the next 18 months you get whatever versions of Android come out, you know three one, three two, four zero, whatever it is, and then 18 months later, maybe you do, maybe you don't, right? But by that point, you're sort of starting to think about the next phone anyway, and uh, so it's, it seems reasonable. And I I think what this is going to do, this doesn't completely solve the problem, you know, because frankly. Android has to be true to itself, which is it's an open system. So it has to have this notion that companies can do what they want to do with it. So there'll always be those companies that don't do this. I even expect to see some companies that agree that do this for certain devices, but not for others. You know, I think we're going to see some of that. But I think for the for mainstream Android buyers, maybe they'll have a logo or something or, you know, uh, you know, the update guaranteed logo or something, whatever they call it. Um, this will hopefully remove some of those question marks for people. So I think it's a smart idea. And it it brings it closer to Windows Phone. You know, Windows Phone being that uh, not-so-happy medium, but some some medium of some kind between the Wild West of, uh, of Android and then the very strict, uh, rigorous um, update um, mentality over on, on the iOS side, you know, because they control the whole thing. So smart. I think it was a smart move on there, on there Mark. On their point, or, or on their part, sorry. Uh, yeah, well, I think
0: so. We will see if the uh, you know, her, it's like herding cats to herd carriers. <laughs> well, see well how carriers you know, but, they,
1: but if you cultures. look at if you look at the list of companies that agreed to do this, yeah. it does you know it does include a lot of them. So uh, we'll, see. You
0: know, we'll see. We shall will see. Uh, let's see what else uh, did they announce? Oh, let's talk about Chrome because that was yesterday's stuff. Uh, what do you think of these I, crap
1: books? I mean uh, uh yeah, <laughs> Well, uh, I'm actually, you know, it's funny. I, I, I have one of the original, the CR48. I do uh, too. And it's not that great, right? I mean, it's... it's uh, what if we're small and cheap? Well, <laughs> actually, that's not the problem. Uh, the problem is you can't bring it anywhere because if you're in a situation where you're offline, you can't get anything done. So if you, the way it works today is if you were on a plane and the plane didn't have Wi-Fi you would have this lump of plastic and metal that could do nothing. So that's a problem. So they addressed that partially by uh, announcing that their uh, first-tier services would all be offline capable by sometime this summer. Uh, So you could do things like uh, read and compose emails through Gmail on one of these things, or I guess elsewhere as well. Um, Google Docs and Google Calendar. They said that most applications, uh, meaning the web apps, right, that you run on this thing, and also most games, would be offline capable. So if you have, you know, Angry Birds, which they announced at the thing, um, you could play it offline on, on a plane, you know, and it would work. And that's, that's good. So that's all good. But I, I think that addressing that was smart. They addressed some of the other stuff uh, around local storage. You know, there's a file manager. They have this notion of uh, open plugins where people can write uh, uh, add-ins for the system where they can integrate certain functionality with online services. So for example, if uh, I just... The one they use, well, the one they, they use their own services as, as example. So you plug in an SD card from your camera. You can download the things to the device. It has a limited amount of on on device storage, but you can also upload it automatically to Picasso Web, right? So if you were if you were Flickr or a third party developer, I guess, who wanted to support Flickr independently, you could write an add in for this thing where it would go to Flickr instead. You know, so I think that was smart, and they they're supporting local opening of obvious document types, uh, PDF, Word doc, um, image files, of course. Uh, You can play movies. Um, And it's, you know, it's fine. It's kind of basic looking, I guess, but it's fine. I, I think the big question here is whether after decades of using pretty rich computer systems, right? whether we're talking about Windows PCs or Macs, whether mainstream America or the world is ready for Uh, something that is essentially a web browser wrapped with a computer around it, you know? So um, it is true that most of us probably spend most of our time interacting with a computer while online. Um, My usage is a little different because I'm a writer. So I tend to use a a set of local applications, but I, I look at my taskbar here and I, what I see are a lot of, a lot of online stuff and a lot of room for more online stuff, you know? So I use iTunes today because I have these Apple devices. But if that stuff was available in the cloud, I would be all over that. I, I do use Gmail and Google Calendar, uh, some blogging things. I use, uh, you know, Google News and the Amazon Cloud Player we were talking about, Facebook and Netflix and whatever. I mean, a lot of this stuff is online. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm actually a little more. I think this they may be on to something in a way. If you, if you accept that people are buying iPads because they want a simpler computing experience, there's something to be said for these Chromebooks as well, right? Because they offer the keyboard and the screen type that people who use laptops are used to. So it is a computing experience where you can create things and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they're inexpensive enough.
0: Well, that's the key. Are they inexpensive enough? I mean, these are basically netbooks. Wouldn't you just buy a netbook at the same price?
1: Well, a netbook is not acceptable for running Windows because an Atom processor is just too slow. The question is whether an Atom uh, processor is okay for running just a web browser. Oh, yeah, it's fine. Essentially. So I think that, well, then it becomes okay. I I don't know that anyone uh, questions the cost of an iPad because it has a 1 gigahertz whatever processor. I think what people do is they use it, it and they say, work. "Wow, this thing, yeah, yeah. this thing's really snappy." So, right. we'll have to see. I mean, did you get a chance to use a, a Chromebook?
0: No, not, not the
1: new ones, no. So that's what I'm curious about. Um, the new version, the, the new devices, the ones that they've announced that will cost anywhere from three fifty to five hundred dollars. I guess uh, they have a dual core Atom processor, which is okay. Uh, take well. Well, what's in that CR forty eight we have? Isn't it the same? It's a. It's, no, it's a single core Atom processor. So, so it's even slower. Yeah.
0: I found it usable.
1: I thought it was fine, yeah.
0: I thought it was you know, okay. You I said, I called these crap books yesterday on Twitter. <laughs> I said, you know, we've seen this yeah. before. Who needs a netbook, uh, let well, alone no, but, a less powerful netbook? But somebody emailed me and I said, hey, what about schools? And you know what? This is a good platform for
1: schools because it's a constrained I, yes. platform, but it does they're, everything. They're, and by the way, again, I think it's, the important distinction here is you're not trying to cram, cram what is essentially a very large and heavy operating system, i.e. Windows, right. in the, into substandard hardware. Right. Uh, in the same way, that, by the way, if you could somehow load Windows onto, the, onto an iPad, I bet it would run like crap. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. the, the, reason, the reason it works well yeah. is because these things were optimized to work together. So right. I do I don't wonder why
0: I, you would buy, say, uh, a, a Chromebook over,
1: say, an iPad. Well, because you have different needs. In other words, I guess they're they are different. They're yeah, they're positioning us, like you said at educational institutions, also at governments and at businesses. Right? They have nice, low, pretty low subscription pricing for those guys. Um, I think that those plans make a lot of sense. Twenty and bucks those, a month
0: for students, and I think that that is attractive
1: to a school. I I could picture schools adopting these things in yeah. mass, assuming they during a testing phase. I they were. I
0: had to think, frankly. Um, you know, uh, the school, I'm on the board of uh, our local, the high school that my kids go to, and yeah. uh, they matriculate and they get a MacBook, $1,000, uh, you know, the white MacBook, yep. and uh, they have that for all four years, and I, I think that's very so, forward-looking, but I have to think I for mean, half that cost or less. For less than half that. I mean, <laughs> Plus, right, it three, saves the way, school way, money on infrastructure. With, with 3G, uh, which is very interesting. Right, and it saves the school money on infrastructure because... I've been trying to get them to move to the
1: cloud. They have all these... Oh, uh, by the way, infrastructure. You know, assuming... Now, we've not seen this, but assuming that their web-based console does what they say it does, right? Assuming that it's easy and uh, comprehensive, that it allows you to manage the users, the devices, the apps, and I guess the software itself, you know, the updating and so forth. Of course, I'm sure they do. And group policies, right? Um, Very, very important, right? If this stuff actually works, this would be a huge win for... It, especially smaller businesses, but you know, business smaller businesses. Let's say, and for educational institutions where money is so tight, you know, you can give out these thousand dollar MacBooks. You don't really give them out, but you you know, someone pays for them. And what's the management for that? You know, mm, smarter. How, how do you how do you ensure that that guy is not installing crapware on his machine? This is the
0: management Google.com/slash/Chromebook.
1: Here's the management console. Oh, they have pictures of it. Okay. They
0: have it. Oh no, I guess it's just a, it's just policies. It's a list. Um, Yeah. So I'm
1: curious to look at this and it looks good. uh, The way I would, the way I think of it now is I I look at my own kids who are fairly young and they do have netbooks and for them, netbooks are okay. And they have basic word processing needs and they, you know, my son spends a lot of time on YouTube and he's on Facebook now actually, he's he's 13 and you know, they do, my daughter plays games on flash websites and so forth and, So they do these things. They they have very limited needs. Uh, A Chromebook is the same price as a netbook. Um, It has in one, you know, in uh, actually in all cases a bigger screen. Um, You know, would it be okay for them? I I, maybe maybe. I mean, this is not a a clear victory, but it's uh, something to consider. And the fact that we're even considering this suggests that Microsoft has something they need to address here. (laughs) You know, right? I mean, this is a yeah. It, it wasn't too long ago, remember, that we were all questioning why Google needed to have Android and Chrome. And that wouldn't it make more sense maybe for them to use Android and that Chrome should just be the browser and, and all that kind of stuff. But they're talking about such things as um, paid web apps, uh, a paid app. You know, remember, when Apple came out with their uh, App Store beta for the Mac, remember one of the beautiful things about it was you were no longer restricted to the number of installs you could do, right? Right. that's one of the things they got uh, with that. It's a good, good idea. It's it's very user-centric. A Chrome web store, whatever they call it, the Chrome web app store whatever it is, where you could buy these web apps and get the same thing is a good idea for the same reason, right? Uh, Assuming that the web app has all of the functionality and the user experience that you're looking for, if you can pay a small amount for something, And then always have access to it simply by virtue of logging into a browser. That's pretty wonderful. I mean, that's neat. That's that's a neat thing. So I I like the idea of not having my data tied to a particular hardware device, right? You know, people fear the cloud in the same way that old people fear ATM machines or whatever because it's a new thing to them. But um, having your data up in the cloud, assuming it's secure and so forth and all that, But again, you have this log on where you can get to it from any computer. Um, It's not as traumatic when the thing breaks or you lose it or it gets stolen because, you know, you can log on to the next one and everything's back where it was. This is something we don't have on the Windows side. We really don't. Yeah. So there. I'm not saying it's better, but there are there are ideas there that are better.
0: So you convinced me I'm not going to call it a crap book
1: anymore. <laughs> well, you know the thing is, I've said this. Now I've not used one, right? So uh I will get one of these new ones, and it will come in, and I'll well, use how it. How different could it
0: be from the CR48? It's going to be like well, that.
1: What, I, what I'm eager to see is if there's any perceivable performance difference. It, how that offline and local storage stuff works, right? um I'm very curious about that. There, there are things that this thing will not be good for. For example. If you, you, I guess you could technically rent a movie and download it to the paltry amount of storage that's on the device. But the truth is... Yeah, I mean, like on the
0: CR48, it's like six gigs. There's nothing.
1: There's nothing there. So yeah. you're talking... I mean, you, you can't... It, it can't do... You know, it's not a full-featured laptop. You know, you can't get it with a hard drive. Right. Uh, so... But the, I think... I'm thinking for the school, it'd be perfect... Yeah, and this is an interesting division of work and play too. If you want to go that route, so for my kids, or for any kids, or for kids in school who get these things at school, they have this notebook that they open up and they have it as as a keyboard and they do work on it, email and all that stuff. And then maybe they have an iPad or other kind of tablet device or a smartphone or some combination of these things, and they use that stuff for their personal stuff, including watching those movies and right. playing. Mom the game. and dad
0: can pay for that one. Yep. <laughs>
1: And the school has all sorts
0: of issues. I, I actually disagree with them, but they block Facebook. It would be a lot easier to do that by giving them a constrained
1: netbook. Because, but right. By definition, it's a it's centrally managed, and that's one of the things you could block yep. if that's what you wanted to do. Without yeah. having
0: – you know, I go in there as a, a trustee, and I can't get on Facebook, and it that's bugs right. me because they blocked it. Uh, you know, they use web WebSense, and they block it uh, school-wide. This way, they could have different permissions for different students. A senior gets more permissions than a freshman and that, that kind of thing. I think it's very interesting. I do, too.
1: Google TV still a dog.
0: But maybe <laughs> better.
1: Maybe Not better. I want to put here. honeycomb I, I, on I, it. I watched some sessions that they had about, uh, for developers. In fact, I spent most of the past two days with Google I.O. to streaming live, um, which I really like. I love and, that. And I
0: think every conference should do that from now on. I know it puts us out of business a little bit. because <laughs>
1: Yeah, it does, but I don't care. It, it was nice. You know, I, I didn't go, and I feel like I, I wish I kind of did, and, and it was nice to be able to at least be part of it. But, um, you know, Google TV, I, I, get, I guess I give them credit. They really seem to believe that this is workable. Um, it's very obvious that that first gen of devices they put out was uh, horrible and that they needed <sighs> to make some changes, horrible. and they're doing that. And um, they've also uh, kind of rallied around a very smart notion, which is that, you know, Android developers um, are are numerous. <laughs> you know, right. so they're making it easier for these guys to bring their stuff over and trying to educate them about the differences between. Okay, now we ha- we have a touch screen on this little device and on a tablet, but now, you know, we're not going to have this interface. We walk up and touch the screen, so you have to have a remote. And here are the differences and so forth. And uh, I think if they do it right, and and I'm still a little dubious about this, but there was talk about. Um, in Android 4 or whatever they're going to call Ice Cream Sandwich, that developers would be able to easily or with just a little bit of work uh, create an application that would run on either a phone or uh, a tablet and that it would do some sort of smart layout decisions um, for them and that perhaps that's something they could do for the TV as well. So it would be interesting to have this one OS to rule them all kind of thing, um, which is where Apple's at or actually heading because obviously Apple TV is a different thing right now but you can see how they're heading in that direction and I think it makes sense on the Microsoft side uh, for Microsoft to also head in that direction for all of their you know Windows and PCs Windows and tablets Windows and phones Windows and TV etc so um, hopefully Microsoft is
0: uh, It's funny that you should say that because that was my uh, immediate
1: reaction is we've heard this strategy before <laughs> Yes we have we have heard this strategy everywhere. before Sure uh, well, at, at Apple, it's—I'm sorry—at Google, it's Android everywhere, right? right. Unless you, uh, t- Chris are talking about Chrome.
0: Well, that's confusing.
1: It is confusing, and by that. the way, also confusing. Why is it that the web browser on Android is not Chrome? It's not. It's not. It's no. Chrome-like. I—I I heard that numerous times. It's completely separate. It's WebKit. What the hell know, is it? I don't know. They kept saying that they—they no, they were Chrome. trying to dri- drive home the point that this thing is not Chrome. <laughs> It should be, just so we're clear. Well, they could just call it Chrome. I mean, Apple calls their Safari. They could call it Chrome, that's true. I think the the issue maybe is that, I don't know what the issue is. I was going to say, it's possible that the Android one came first. Uh, It was just a separate thing, and I don't know. I don't know what the issue is. I I, I expect them to consolidate that. (sighs) They say now you
0: work for Google, and that's why the show is no longer the Apple show. That's <laughs> not the Google show. Wow. No, you okay. know what? Paul is a
1: technology journalist. We t- no, I, I listen. Uh, there are uh, the, <laughs> there are shows that are going to happen this year. Some of which have happened that are important. You know, Google I/O is important. Uh, when Apple has their WWDC event, that's going to be important. Next week. It, next week is Tech Ed. It's important. It's business oriented, so it's not going to be as exciting to individuals. Maybe. But Microsoft is also going to have some kind of a Windows developer conference or whatever they call it, what used to be PDC uh, this fall, where they focus on Windows 8. That's important. <laughs> you know, This stuff is all important. And these things don't happen in isolation or in a vacuum. They happen within the context of each other. So I think it's important. I always have thought it was important to make sure you don't have tunnel vision and that you understand what the other people are doing. Because it, it, it it's either better or worse than what... You know your company's doing, and you know it's important to understand the differences. What would Steve Ballmer do? That's okay, what we so have she- to constantly <laughs>
0: ask ourselves. Right. Uh, let's take a break. Come back with more. Paul Theriot, Leo Laporte. We're talking. We will talk more about Windows Te- Tech Ed is coming up. And by the way, the I'm a PC ads are back. We'll, we'll take a look at those. But first, and of course, our Windows Weekly Tip of the Week. But first, a word from Carbonite. Back up. Okay. Thanks Carbonite. And uh, <laughs> if there were but one thing I could say, you know, my daughter's coming back from college and I just I'm really thrilled she's coming back with her laptop. That was never uh, for sure. You know how these things are in college, they get lost. So before she went to college, I put Carbonite on there, which is kind of neat because that's actually how Carbonite started. David Friend, who was a serial entrepreneur, brilliant guy, he created the Arp Synthesizer company out of college. Uh he was resting on his lawyer, Laurel's I think that's what they call that. And um, and uh, his daughter was in college and called him and said, I lost my my hard drive crashed and I lost my thesis. Help me, daddy. And she and he said, there's got to be a better way. This is terrible. He literally created car- Carbonite for his college kid daughter so that she'd never lose anything. And now I'm using it for my college kid daughter. And I love it. Even if she didn't lose the laptop, the hard drive didn't crash. I <laughs> Even then, she could still go to the library, use the computer, Mac or PC there, and see her data, work on her paper, save it back to Carbonite, go home. It's kind of, you know, it's like Dropbox in that, except that it's less than 5 bucks a month for unlimited storage, everything on your internal drive. So it's very economical. And, of course, if the worst happens, as it always does inevitably, at some point you can get that data back so quickly. Carbonite's automatic. You don't have to think about it. Whenever you're online, it's safe. It's easy to use for a laptop, for a desktop. It's got to be part of your overall disaster planning and, and I think just a, a really easy way to do this, just go to Carbonite.com. Actually, if you go there right now and use the offer code Windows, you could try it free for two weeks, see if it works for you. It does rely on high-speed Internet. It will not slow your system down or the Internet down, but that means it's going to be nice. It's not going to eat all your bandwidth. So if you've got a lot of data, it'll take a couple of weeks or longer. So it's good to get this first two weeks free. Just see how it's working. If you decide to buy, use the code Windows again. You'll get 14 months for the price of 12 Fifty nine dollars a year, but in your case, just for you, fourteen months, okay? Carbonite.com. You gotta back it up to get it back. Make sure you do that. And do it right with Carbonite. Tech Ed. What is what is Tech Ed? It's coming up.
1: I don't know. Some Microsoft thing.
0: Hey I hate that. <laughs> Let's talk about Google some more. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh well, Tech Ed is Microsoft's uh, humongous trade show for IT pros, essentially. Um, oh, isn't that so nice? <laughs> Yes. There's actually tech eds all over the world. I mean, the big one is the North American version, but there's actually, there's a big one in Europe every November as well. Um, it's actually usually a little later in the year, uh, i.e. June instead of May. But I think, you know, last year they had it in New Orleans. I'm just guessing maybe it was just availability of the conference halls or whatever, but it was so hot. In New Orleans last year, I mean, hot I as they, in warm, not hot as in sexy, right? Well, it was both. It was New Orleans, but it's sexy. It was, um, it was just brutally, brutally hot. And I think you know they looked at this year where they're having Atlanta, and they said maybe we need to, we need to move this up a little so we don't all roast. You know, like yeah, Atlanta can get really hot. But uh, yeah, I mean, in New Orleans, you would walk out the door to go up the street and it you know, the heat and the humidity would hit you like this wall. Right. I mean, it was just absolutely unbelievable, you know? So uh, I can't talk too much about some of this stuff, but you know, there's a reviewers workshop occurring on Sunday and uh, my company is involved with some Microsoft training stuff on Sunday night. And of course we have the, you know, their keynote addresses and, and there'll be product announcements and, you know, vision announcements and all that kind of stuff. So I th- will have a lot more to say about tech ed next week. Cool. But that's yeah. happening. Uh, yeah. Starting Sunday, I guess. So the i speaking... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. You. No, I was going to ask, okay. I, it occurred to me I'm flying home Thursday, but actually I fly home Thursday morning. So we can, home. we can rejigger. No, um, we I'm mind. open to rejiggering. No, I don't know why you have to keep changing things. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. It's, it's fine. <sighs>
0: <laughs> so, I think the I'm a PC campaign started uh 2008, right? I believe was it that that's, long ago? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm don't looking really. on YouTube and I see going back to spring yeah. of 2008. So, it's a th- three years ago.
1: Yeah, I'm a PC was kind of the third or maybe even the fourth in a series of responses to those Apple ads, actually, right? You know, right. they started with the Seinfeld ads, I think, were the first ones. Those, and then- those were not good. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think the, the, I always liked the AMA PC ads because I felt like they struck a chord. You know, they, they talked about the diversity of the PC world and how that mirrors the diversity of the real world. And that in the real world, there are lots of choices and that this was why, uh, you know, Windows PCs were better than Macs uh, very specifically. And they kind of ran their course. I mean, they, they were AMA PC ads for about, probably a year or more. Um, and uh, some of them were really nice. And then it just kind of went away. <laughs> so right. I guess they're bringing them back. And uh, there's only I've only seen the one. I don't know if there's uh, more than that one, but the one they have is where this woman is convinced that PCs haven't gotten any better, and there's no reason to buy a new one. Let's take a look it's, at Julie
0: in the PC store. She's that is her that is her house. It is, her, it's, is it's her. This is like an actual person.
1: This is the, well. Let me see it and see if this is the one <laughs> I'm about. Because I don't feel there's something out there. She's British. Is yeah, this the so, one? This, yeah,
0: play this is Julie. She won't shop for a new PC because...
1: I don't feel there's something out there better than what
0: I've got now. So to show her what she's missing, we built a PC store in her house. Oh, please. Thanks for dropping in. You've got to be kidding me. This isn't my house anymore. Have a little look around. Isn't that nice? Microsoft has invaded my home and turned it into a store. Right, but you see, I love re- Microsoft. <laughs> Thank you.
1: The reason I think this is kind of brilliant is it... It latches onto something that I can't stand, but I have to admit is popular, which is the sort of reality TV stuff that we have going on today. Yeah, it does. It's kind of Discovery uh, Channel. Right? Yeah, so it has that sort of vibe to it, you know. And then, of course, what she discovers is that, you know, there's a comment she makes later where it's like, oh, where's the tower? You know, and it's like, no, the, t- the computer's built into the screen. And Oh, let's play some did. more of
0: that. Let's give Microsoft
1: yeah. a little more airtime. This one is touchscreen. I like that. So there is no tower anymore. Wow. I admit I'm wrong.
0: Wow, Microsoft, you've invented... Oh, wait a
1: minute. Apple did that about 10 years ago. Oh, never mind. Wait, hold on, hold on. Remember, it's not important that they invent it. It's only important that they popularize it. Yeah, right. Apple sells no
0: iMacs whatsoever.
1: On this this cowboy.
0: Where's the tower, she says. There is a computer better than mine. New PC. Yeah, yeah. she's got... She's I'm got- a PC and I'm going to kill him. Wait a minute. I don't know if that's really a felicitous
1: way to end the commercial. PC,
0: and I'm going to kill him.
1: Why is she going to kill him? Because she made, him, uh, made her buy a new computer, and they is that her changed husband? her house into a store. Yeah, this is the guy that's been trying to convince her that him. they need Oh, him.
0: that wasn't clear from the this beginning. This that- Julie. It was she her husband that did PC PC this to her. Because I don't feel this.
1: Something- oh,
0: Julie and Russell, focus group. I see. Yep. So this is where we introduce
1: Russell.
0: Russell's been trying to get her to buy a new computer. Right. Apparently Russell doesn't he's pr- he's work. He's probably
1: got this netbook thing or whatever that <laughs> is not working so Please well. Please, honey, him. can I buy a new computer?
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to kill you, you sudden... <laughs> crumpet. Yep.
1: Why are they British? Uh, maybe it's a British TV ad. I don't know. I think it's nice. I actually think it's a good ad. And by the way... you well, know, got my unlike attention? The, unlike the other I'm a PC ads, there's no uh, Mac thing going on anymore. This is more along the lines of just promoting uh, sort of pc as a brand if you will right pc's aren't as crappy as they used to be yeah exactly right as now now with less suck
0: (laughs) now with less now less suckage where's the tower (laughs) i like a tower julie yeah yeah well i'm glad that they're back i think it's a strange (laughs) ad i don't you know is is is, is, is microsoft like tell the agencies to do this or do they get weird ad agencies i mean what's the story i'm gonna kill him That's as bad as Bill Gates I, wagging his butt at the end.
1: You know what? I, I, I honestly, I think that's absolutely okay because it's the type of conversation that men and women it's human. have. I mean, it's it human. makes it, it makes it real. If he brought that home to my house, I'd. kill If him I had too. a dollar for every time my wife has threatened my life, I, you know, I could. Have <laughs> Look at that beautiful computer. It's an HP, <laughs> isn't
0: it? That's HP. HP. Leo. Which, by the way, Actually, is, a, is a steak sauce in Great Britain.
1: It is, yeah.
0: It's a delicious steak sauce. <laughs> so it's not a tower anymore. It's a steak sauce. Uh,
1: do you use LastPass? Did you... Um... Oh, yeah. okay. I've been an early proponent of I this. Love I love LastPass, yeah. yeah. You know, I've been amused. Maybe amused isn't the right word. Depressed. Maybe that's the right word. <laughs> amused, by, depressed. One of the two. <laughs> one of the two. yeah. You know, by... The reaction I've gotten from people over this uh, maybe LastPass issue, you know, that they were very upfront about, very quick to fix, very quick to investigate, and very quick to help people do the right thing to, you know, secure their accounts. Um, I, but I get email from people who say, well, now that LastPass has been completely destroyed by oh, no, this. not so. Uh, you know... I need some other thing or right? I've adopted this other thing and and doesn't this prove the lie of cloud computing or no. the uh, the baloney of, you know, saving all your stuff in one place with one password, yada, yada, yada. You know, I'm sorry. I just want to be very clear about this without rehashing the whole story about what happened. But the, the last past story, as far as I'm concerned, confirms everything I ever thought about this service, yes, i.e. that it is the right thing to do and very the right good. way to do it and the yeah. right people to do it with. So... Yeah. I think I find that their response. If you were to make a chart, you know, or uh, an end-to-end type of thing, where Sony is on one end, you'd put LastPass at the other, because those are the ways that you can respond to a problem like this. Sony did it the wrong way, and LastPass did it the right way. I, I I'm sorry, but I, this just makes me more sure of this decision. I, I'm, I'm very happy with the way that LastPass reacted to this stuff, and um, we'll continue using it and recommending it. I think I'm, I love LastPass. I'm, I'm, and I'm. I'm glad to see, you know, when the chips are down, that's how you find out about the character of people, but also apparently of online services. <laughs> so, um, you know, these guys did the right thing. And I, I just don't think there's any other reaction you can have to this. I'm, I'm, I'm confused that that hasn't been the reaction of some people. So I just wanted to be clear about that.
0: Well, I think you have been. <laughs> you have been eminently clear. Ah. <sighs> You know, it doesn't suck. Hey, let's take a break. Come back. You have a Windows Weekly Tip of the Week. Mm-hmm. You have a, which has uh, something interesting, something interesting. Mm-hmm. Surprise, a surprise. You a know, surprise. Tip. You have the Windows 7 App Pick of the Week, which has another surprise, the same surprise.
1: Windows <laughs> Listen, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, that was like, you are lazy, Paul. Is what <laughs> well, two tips from one bit, but that's Okay.
0: Because okay. they tie together nicely, they do tie together. It's it's really quite brilliant what you've done. <laughs> okay. Thank anyway, you. we got a lot more coming up just a bit. But first, let's talk about Squarespace.com. The secret behind exceptional websites. Have you what? Are you playing know. organ music? Do you no. have? An, have you had an organ in front of you all this time and I didn't even know? <laughs> <laughs> sitting, oh, wow. Paul Theroux sitting in his Hammond B3. <laughs> Play us a riff. Was that me or was it's, that you? That I did.
1: It was. It, that was me. That okay. Was me. I, I just. I thought I heard organ music. It, it, yeah. Okay. I'll explain it later.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cool. Paul is a very, very. There's. A, he's a man of mystery. That's for sure. Squarespace is the place to go. I'm going to load Squarespace right now. Let to hit. Let me hit return. Squarespace is the, is the place to go. Uh, to create your new website. It's the secret behind exceptional websites, they say, and I have to say I agree. It is hosting. i got to be very clear because this is what you're getting. You're getting web hosting, the best web hosting I've ever seen. People often ask me, who's a good web host? This is it. But uh, unlike other web hosts, you don't, you know, you don't get a uh, terminal command. You don't get you know, PHP My Admin. You get the Squarespace software running on their hosting, and they're tightly coupled to give you very high-speed performance. Uh, really, an exceptional system, including stats to die for the ability to post by iPhone or iPad and moderate uh, I love how they can import your data from any existing uh, blog on WordPress blogger, movable type or uh, typepad. those are the kind of the big four apis so it 'll work on many 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 more blogs or websites and it it preserves everything the post URLs are the same they still work all the links are the same. So this is a great way to try it free. Click that green Try It Free button you'll find on every Squarespace page. Sign up. All you need is a name, a password, and an email address, a name for your site. And you're good. You're good to go. For two weeks free, you can try every feature. The fantastic templates that don't look templated, the uh, form builder, the forums, social integration, and more. And then Squarespace is as little as $12 a month. In fact, if you uh, sign up for a year, you get 20%, up to 20% off savings. So the annual plans are really good. Go, go look in the pricing. No surprises here. Uh, I just think Squarespace is fantastic, and I want you to try it right now. Squarespace.com for free slash Windows. Squarespace, the secret behind exceptional websites. We use it for our Inside Twit blog, and boy, we could not be happier. Just love it. Our Windows Weekly Tip of the Week is kind of
1: interesting. I didn't know this would work. I'm
0: surprised. I didn't either. I'm
1: embarrassed that it didn't occur to me to even check on this one, but uh, I got an email from Rodrigo Gomez-Morales who said that you can run the recently released and free version of Angry Birds for Chrome mm-hmm. inside of IE9. Um, if you go to the link from within Chrome, if you just copy that link, it won't work, but if you go to chrome.angrybirds.com in IE9, it actually works, and it's full-featured, full-speed, everything. It works great. Um, you can also do this in uh, Firefox and Safari, although you get diminished results in both. Um, there's some performance issues in Firefox, and I just So it's to... HTML5, I guess. Right. So uh, they, obviously all these browsers support some different subset of HTML5, so it so happens that it works fine in 99 for whatever reason. Uh, it mostly works fine in the other browsers. I, the the organ music you heard was me trying it in Safari. I want to. Oh, I have, oh I didn't recognize it. That's, I, <laughs> that's I thought I, I knew friend. all the Angry
0: Birds themes.
1: Yeah, so it, it does work in Safari, but it has uh, it's not tearing, but you can see the lines around the graphic tiles that they use to create the background. Hmm. So it's a little less seamless looking. Um, so I don't see any reason to do this in Safari, but uh, obviously you can just do it in Chrome, but. Um, well, anyway, it, it, they released it for for Chrome, and it's a it's kind of a cool version because it has some additional levels that aren't available and it's in free. other versions. And it's free. Yeah, I don't know if that is that temporary. Did you? Did they? I don't remember I that. I mean, um,
0: there are, you know, Angry Birds is free on uh, on on Android because they put
1: ads in it. Yeah, although there's actually, if you buy it through Amazon, you can you can pay for it. I think it's a dollar or two dollars, and, not and you, have get ads. Ver- oh, you get a you get a version without ads. Yeah. Okay. So I had had a, I had had a tip uh months ago where you could there's a version of Angry Birds for Windows that you get through that Intel app up store. Right. That was Remember? free, right? No, I think you paid for it. It was oh. it might have been two or three dollars or something. So and it was the difference between that version and the one that you run in a browser is that the native client version actually runs full screen. So if you have a widescreen display like most of us do, you actually get kind of a widescreen view of the play field, which is actually pretty neat. But Obviously, it's hard to beat free, so. so we have a free version, though. Free is a good price. And speaking of Angry Birds... Yeah, so I cheaply made this my uh, <laughs> app pick as well. And um, no, that's beca- efficiency. That's just efficiency. <laughs> because um, be- in either of these browsers, in Chrome or in IE9, you can actually pin... Remember, this is a Windows 7 capability. Right. Uh, well, Or a Chrome capability, in that case. You can pin a shortcut to these web apps... To your taskbar in Windows Seven, um, so you can have this Angry Birds application. It's sort of a application with air quotes around it, like a web application, um, running side by side with your other applications. So you can install it, uh, so to speak, on your on Windows Seven using one of those browsers. So either one should work fine.
0: Amazing!
1: It is amazing.
0: It's amazing. Now this Windows Phone Pick uh, is a program I've used on
1: iPhone and love. Yeah, this is an awesome one. So you know, again, I. It's an unfortunate reality of the first year of Windows Phone that we're going to have a bunch of picks over time that are, you know, people who have iPhones or Android devices are going to say, yeah, we heard yeah, that. Yeah. We heard that yeah. But I think it, it, it further formalizes the notion of a Windows Phone as a viable alternative that yeah. these things are coming. So uh, the game is called Enigma. Um, it's kind of a classic uh, 3D puzzle game. I threw this note in here because I wasn't sure if anyone re- would remember this game, but there's kind of a a relentless quality to this that reminds me of the game Lemmings, which was an old uh, Amiga oh, yeah, game. Yeah, Lemmings. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got that kind of quality to it. In that, you know, you're eventually going to be overrun and unable to uh, get through the puzzle. But it's 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 a cool game and a nice time waster. Always liked Enigma. Yeah, good thing to check out. Yeah. And finally, uh, well, so I wanted uh, what I wanted to. I didn't have time this week, but th- there's something called Plex that I'm looking at. Oh, hopefully, Plex for next is week. awesome. Yeah. So I wanted people to know about it so they could look at it yes. and then give me some feedback on it. But my my quick, t- I'm, I'm sort of previewing next week's pick first because, and I, because I want to explain why. Um, Plex, the way I take Plex is it's a way to overcome the limitations that occur between when you have a media library and you want to use it on things that aren't necessarily compatible. So for example, uh, maybe you have, you know, music collection, movie collection, whatever it is, you could go through the Apple ecosystem, but If you're not using an Apple TV out at your living room or if you have uh, uh, an Android device instead of an iPhone or, you know, if you have all these kind of devices that are incompatible, then how do you use all this stuff together? You know, I I happen to use Windows Home Server, which is fine for storing uh, stuff, including digital media. But how do I get that content from the server to an Apple TV or to an iPod Touch or to an Android device or whatever? So. Plex is essentially, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but the way I look at it is it's sort of a cross-platform media server with clients for all of the popular platforms, essentially. So there are Windows clients, iPhone clients, Android clients, and all that kind of stuff. And it's basically a way to move this stuff around. Plus, they have some nice management util- you know, uh, functionality and um, you know, metadata cleanup and album art and all that stuff. So uh, that's something to check out. That's for next week. So that's probably going to be my pick. I, I, I wanted enough people to look at it. Um, and I'll be, you know, I will be looking at it as well. So, in the meantime, this week's uh, pick in a way, and this is interesting because of. All um, right, oh, it's I have the wrong name, and the <laughs> it's actually the, I'm sorry, it's actually the Amazon Cloud Player, not the Google Cloud Player. Well, both of them um, exist. Both of them exist, but Amazon Cloud Player is something that anyone can access. Does it work and on w- Windows Phone? No, no. and th- that's the thing. So when when it first came out, uh, when they first announced it, a couple, it was about a month and a half ago. Um, they have a web client that works on Windows uh, PCs, obviously, and Macs. And then they have a a native client for Android. Okay, So if you have one of those things, you're fine. But if you wanted to use it with uh, another device, like an iPhone or an iPad uh, particularly, you couldn't because there was no client, and that web client would not work. But what Amazon did was they updated the web client now so that it works on iOS devices. So if you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can now use this client on those systems as well. And for whatever it's worth, I made I put a note there because I actually do use Amazon Cloud Player to play music on my Windows PC from the cloud. But it's not a native client, it's the web client and I've just pinned it to my taskbar, you know, because that's again that's one of those neat little capabilities. So it, that you get Windows 7. So this thing looks and works like an application but it's really just the web page, right? And it look, you know, it works kind of like iTunes or whatever. So this is now something you can do. Uh, it's. I wrote Google. I'm sorry. I'm gonna to have to fix that. But uh, with the Amazon Cloud Player now, if you have a, an iPhone or an iPad,
0: yeah, yeah, iOS. I, I don't know if Apple did something or Google did something. My suspicion was, is Apple did something. I mean, uh, Amazon. I
1: th- Amazon. Yeah, that was my understanding. It was that Amazon did. Yeah, something. I can't imagine Apple in any way said, "Oh, <laughs> we should fix." it. <laughs> yeah, we. This. We uh, right before we launched our service, we thought we'd fix yeah. our devices so they worked with your service. Let's make this better. What do you it sounds like say? something uh, that's something Apple would do.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, very exciting stuff, my friend Paul Therot. He is the uh, guy at Windows Super <laughs> Site. I am the, the guy. He's the guy. The one, the lonely man at the Super Site for Windows. He's a blogger.
1: He's been a <laughs> wow. It's like a, doesn't that sound like a diminutive? It did. It, it was. It was very. I actually twitched a little in my heart when you said that. You know. Uh, well, hey, he's I'm a, a podcaster. He's a, Paul is a street urchin. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is a commoner, a plebe, if you will.
0: Paul is a commoner. No, I think podcaster and blogger are both diminutives, and uh, and I've been lobbying against both for years. Sure. I'm a twit. Now, see, that's something you could say with pride. <laughs> right. We're both uh, twits. We are twits. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how many people come up to me all the time and say, hey, did you not know what that meant? Why did you, what is wrong with you? Why does your, yeah. why does your <laughs> shirt say I'm a twit on it? Right. Is there something wrong with you? No, my friend, there is something very right. There's something very right. That's right, Paul, uh, you'll find him at supersite for windows, winsupersite.com, Windows IT Pro. Of course, he's the news editor there. And don't forget. I just forgot. Don't forget. You can get his great books, Windows, the Windows Phone 7, Vista Secrets. They're
1: all at better bookstores. I really need you to stop doing promos for me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's, I don't know why. I don't know what I've done.
0: What did you do to deserve this, says Paul Theroux, And the Delphi 5, 3, Super Bible. Good old days. Still have it. Still love it. Paul, uh, so next no, if week, you read a, if you read a chapter a night, you'll be done in sometime in the year 2012.
1: It, it's, yes. Some number of years will have expired. Um,
0: you're going to go to tech ed. You will be back from tech ed next week and we shall yeah. talk at our usual time. That is 11 a.m. Pacific, but for you, 2 p.m. Eastern at live.twit.tv. Yes. Tune in live. But if you miss it and I know you, many of you actually have jobs, so <laughs> you, <laughs> unlike me and Paul. So you can uh, get that on the uh, Twit site, twit.tv slash dub dub for Windows Weekly. Paul, well, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Right. It's been wonderful. <sighs> okay. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Let's see. In order to do that, I have to do this, and then that. And it is slightly higher on the right. <laughs> ah! Paul eyes, Paul eyes. You look like a lizard. No, oh, that's me. Oh, I do this. Here we go. Don't you I'll move. move. I'll move. I'll move.
1: <laughs> God. If we were to have a child,
0: <laughs> he's got your eyes, Paul. That ugly little bastard
1: i got to tilt my head the right way, too. <laughs> I'll never get TV.
0: How does this work?
1: Is there someone in there? I saw you on the TV. I can still see others. I see right. you on the TV.